0: Well, get a little drink, right? Here, you, Hello everybody and welcome to Broomewagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. In this case, for the episode of today, probably it's going to be you will not get there on a geared road bike, because probably you need a single speed gravel ride to get there. I will let you know more about that in just one second. First, just start with saying thanks. Thanks to all of you because you listen a lot of times, there is a lot of people out there that listen to my last episode, the one from the world champs, from uh, yeah, here to Switzerland, from Dubendorf and uh, of cyclocross, as well as people also watch the video that I've done there. Still, if you want to have a look there, just watch for Stefano Brunwagoon on uh, YouTube and you're gonna find actually the video that I've done there together with my friend Peter, and as usual, let me know what do you think about that. It's pretty easy, you can just contact me in all my social media or comment on the video or whatever it is, you know almost everything, and I have to say as well thank you to Open and to Andy Kessler that supported me with an amazing gravel bike, probably the best gravel bike that you can find around, I'm talking about the Open Up. Even if, I don't know, I'm kind of falling in love as well with the wide in this period, I've been seeing so many of those in this period, and when I was in front of my decision, should I take a nap or should I take a wide? I don't know, I'm thinking right now that I've made the bad decision. Anyways, I am super in love with the open up and i just they're wondering if probably bigger tires would have been a bit more comfortable, because comfort is everything out there when you're riding the bicycle not performances. What do you think, Simon? Two more things before to start with the normal episode that is gonna happen today. First thing, do you remember Gosse, Gosse van der Meer, the pro cyclocross rider that I interviewed in the first episode of the year, I think, in the double episode that I went live with? Yeah. Dutch guy, geographer, that speaks a lot and is pretty fast with his leg, on a cyclocross track. Well, he's doing an amazing initiative out there. Him, together with some other pros in cyclocross, they collected a bunch of cycling kits, so that they can give it out and distribute to kids that want to start their career in cyclocross. I think it's an amazing initiative. They collected a bunch of kits, and now they are sending them out to kids. And uh, so it's time now. If you're listening to that, and you're a kid between 10 and 14, you live in Europe, or you're a parent of a, a young kid that wants to start his adventure on cross, on cyclocross riding. Well just go to Gosse website, it's gonna be anyways in the description below, but the the name of it is Gon I'm gonna say it again Gossevandermeer.com slash kit for kids. Go there, there is a Google form, you're gonna fill it, and then you can actually get your kits for your kids or your kit if you're a kid makes sense, right? Just remember to do it and share it with whoever you think can be interested in. Second thing, today is Monday for me, it's Tuesday for you because you listen to that straight away, right? And on Thursday I'm gonna fly to Morocco for the Atlas Monterrey's. This means another podcast to produce, a lot of people to to meet, super good friends to talk with again, and being in a car for seven days and following Probably the best, for sure the first race of the year and probably the best premiere of the year. So just, if you want to listen to that, look for atlasmonteerace.cc, you're going to find the website and then atlasmonteerace, you're going to find all the social media and as well the podcast and you're going to hear my voice as well. This means that next week this um, uh, podcast will not go live, but if... Simon will give us what he promised us, so to interview one of his people, well, this podcast will go back live by the end of the month. So, just write to Simon if you want, and then I'm gonna, anyways, edit it and go live, but write to Simon because he needs to interview, to make the interview this time. Just let me know. Worst case scenario, on the first week of March, I'm gonna go back live with another episode of the Broome Wagoon. Now, let's move forward. This interview, this episode of today, I talked with Marcos Stitz, hopefully my pronunciation is correct. He has made the Tour Around the World in a Single Speed, you know what I was talking about at the beginning, he has made the Silk Road mountain race, we met there this year in 2019, and he's gonna take part also to the Atlas mountain race, and I'm gonna meet him there. So, just sit down, take a hot drink or a cold drink or a beer or a coffee or a juice and listen to this amazing story. I have to say that probably here there is Zencaster that is letting me down in the last period, so that's why now you hear again my voice in this weird way, but it's not important my voice here. All the time the most important things are my guests. And today we are going to talk with Marcus, Stilts. Hopefully my pronunciation is correct. And the problem is okay, let's start from here. How was my pronunciation, Marcus?
1: Uh, that's fine. It's still uh, you were very close.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always all the time make this mess here around. So Marcus, Marcus is a bicycle explorer, ultra endurance cyclist. I met him during the Silk Road mountain race. I would consider him one of the the nicest person I've ever talked with. Also, after several thousand kilometers, he was there, really positive, smiling, and it was probably before the last huge climb that you got, but still after Shamsi, I think, so after a really brutal climb and still the, the smile was on your face. And uh, he makes also a lot of other projects and uh, amazing things, amazing rides around the world. So probably I thought, okay, why don't talk with him in order to give some inspiration to everybody out there? But instead of my introduction, Marcos, probably it's better for you to give an introduction about yourself.
1: Cool. Yeah, happy to do that. And um, thanks for having me. I am, um, yeah, I'm and sometimes I think i possibly probably not call myself a cyclist just because I love doing many, many things, but cycling has been kind of one of the core activities to to go and see places um i'm uh yeah i live in scotland at the moment i um, i was originally born in germany um and i moved here about 10 years ago and then halfway through um decided to cycle around the world um the reason for that one was because i had friends in new zealand where i had lived before i moved to scotland and um so instead of just going to new zealand i made it one loop around the world, did around the world trip and then came back (laughs) and then founded a website called bikepackingscotland.com and started developing routes in Scotland and that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, I also, um, I'm a marketing professional so I do other projects um, helping companies or institutions in terms of marketing um, and also helping to promote cycling as a healthy activity um, in all sorts of different ways um so yeah so um i think i kind of like if, if if i would have to describe myself in a really really quick sentence i'm an adventurer um who mainly uses the bike
0: to get to places that's amazing and this actually arrives directly to my next question out there so you said okay that you're an adventurer you use cycling to move around the world and that you would not define strictly as a cyclist but you can define yourself in a bit broaderly way, and that's why adventure. But what at the side? What's at the side of the bicycle? So you're exploring the world via bicycle, but what else do you do to be an explorer? <laughs>
1: Um, so um, I've I've actually I've done a fair bit of running before I oh. jump on the bike and I've kind of recently picked it up again because I had a shoulder operation so I was off the bike for a number of months and just kind of had to do, to get around in, in different ways. Um, so running, I love kayaking as well. Um, and now with a fixed shoulder, has always been a bit of a spanner in the works for the last couple of years. Um, I can do that again. And I've done a little bit of skiing when I was in Germany, and this is something I'd love to do more as well. So I think I'm kind of looking into future projects, which um, will still have the bike. I think the bikes are fantastic means of travel um, because it gets you to places. um, It gets you there without um, any other help required so it's quite an independent form of travel as well um but um i would yeah i'd kind of like to branch out a little bit because um there are it also has its limitations at some stage i mean there's only so many steep hills you can cycle until you kind of question is this really necessary are there (laughs) better ways of doing this um so i think i'd quite like to broaden uh, broaden my horizon a little bit um but no doubt i think the bike's always going to be um, there and it's also, you know, I think what's defined me in the last ten years, and it's it's also it's it's been like the main um, thing kind of on my adventures um, in the last ten years. So it's always going to be there, but I think there's a good argument to point out a little bit further.
0: Cool. I just want to make you another couple of super broad questions. So you said that you're originally from Germany and now you're in Scotland. Why did you move to Scotland? Why you moved there?
1: so my little love affair with scotland um mm-hmm. began when i was at university in sunderland and north north um, east england yeah Um, And that was just simply because I studied in Germany um, and we had an exchange agreement with that university. Um, My lecturer back then said to me, look, please apply for this. This is an easy way to do some stuff abroad and I'd like you to go there. So I did. Um, And when I was in Sunderland, I went up to Edinburgh a number of times and really liked it. Um, And so when... Um, I came back to uni in in, in Germany, um, did a couple of other stints abroad. I was in New York in the US for a while and then I came back and um, yeah, just kind of, I wanted to go back to Scotland and, and worked for the festivals in Edinburgh from 2005 onwards, um, pretty much for every summer. Oh. Um, in between, I finished my studies in Germany, um, and then I decided to go to New Zealand for two years to live um, and work in Wellington. And I loved it over there. It's an amazing place, um, super, super um, suited for adventures. Um, but I always felt it was very, very far away from my family. Um, who's based in Germany um, and a lot of my friends are in Europe as well. So after two years in New Zealand, I decided I'd quite like to center or put the center of my life back into Europe. And, 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 and that was the just kind of definition that I could come up with like I wasn't really um, set on I have to go back to Germany I wanted to come back to somewhere in Europe um, and um, then I was back in Germany for a month and then I had a job interview in Edinburgh and ever since then I've, I've basically stayed in Scotland so I think the reason why I am still in Scotland and why I've settled here is like it's it's uh, I think out of the European countries probably the most remote country you can find still. Um, although, you know, I wouldn't call it a wilderness, but you know, I think there are stretches where you can go for 50 or 100 kilometers and you won't find a single soul. So I love that. And and I also like, I like the Scottish people, I like the attitude over here. So I think it's kind of like, it's the place that suits me at this stage in my life, the best, I would say. Um, yeah and it's also been great um, for me because um, over the last 10 years I've established um, my networks over here so, uh, you know, I, I definitely call it home um, it's kind of my second home I still call Germany home to an extent as well because that's where I was born where my family is but the center of my life is over here in Scotland
0: Real. Well, great to know <laughs> great to know is a great explanation actually and it makes a lot of sense <clears throat> let's move now straight to the bicycle thing so... You've done so many adventures in your life on a bike, and we're going to talk about probably all of them, but what, which one was the first hit that you had on the bicycle when the Marcos that we all know right now and his relationship with the bicycle started? <laughs>
1: That is so It's interesting because I'm just working on a new film and that is dealing exactly with that topic. So the first hit on the bike was actually, um, I think at the age of six or seven, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and I grew up in East Germany, so we only had a limited amount of bikes in the family and there was also no, no um, access to anything new. So I learned cycling on a 28 inch um, bike from my mum. Okay. It was a steel bike, actually. Um, it was way too big for me. Like it was quite difficult <laughs> to, to learn cycling on such a big bike. Um, but it was kind of a step to a bike, so it didn't have like so you know for even if you're slightly too short, um it would still work. So I learned cycling on that. I think it must have been quite a painful process for my parents to teach me how to cycle, um because I was quite an anxious child at, at times. So I wouldn't just jump in to do something. But once I've learned it, I really really appreciate it. And then, um. I think my my earliest ever bikepacking adventure then was um, shortly afterwards because I inherited um, a foldable bike from either my brother or my sister. I'm not entirely sure. So it's 20 inch wheels, it was this foldable bike and the Peace Race of Friedensfahrt is like an iconic um, 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 event back in East Germany, went very close by from where we lived. And I really, really wanted to see the event. um so i put a blanket on this foldable bike um jumped on it and cycled, to to see um the riders coming through at some stage and all of that <laughs> hidden away from my mom so she, she, i think she must have panicked at this stage where i was all all of a sudden where i was gone and then after a couple of hours i walked up again in the garden and said look i'm back i've seen them come, coming past and, and and i think this is kind of like there was the early days of cycling out there was um but yeah it was, it was possibly a very a more defining period um, than i ever thought about when i was a child
0: well yeah perfect so it seems like it's a <laughs> common pattern so that i'm seeing year round so there are people like me that just started cycling a bit late in their life and then bicycle never uh never stopped being there and people like you that started and learned how to ride a bicycle with an over a sized bicycle, and on also that the love never went away, never go away, and uh, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, this seems like, okay, you shaped perfectly your first adventure uh, in bicycles, and your first event, and how you made the first pedal strokes on it. Then at a certain point, though, arrived your biggest adventure, can we say in this way, the ride around the world in single speed. Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah. Um so I um so the whole thing that this came around um was I was flying to New Zealand um to work over there in Wellington and on the way to New Zealand um I watched The Flying Scotsman with Graham Opi. Um, and there's this one scene in the film where they raise a glass of whiskey and said to a new world record and um for whatever i think i was subconsciously um sitting in my brain for a wee while and i was like oh you know it's it, this is pretty cool and i'd really like to to do something epic um i quite like to do something that no one's done beforehand um but i'm also not the sort of person who who would like to put his head down and just just Go in the fastest time possible around the world. I think that would have never really suited my personality. Um, so I watched this film and then I also um, read a book um, from a guy um, called Tim Mulliner, who cycled from London to Christchurch for a party. Um And it was an interesting book. It was a, it's a it's 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 a good read. Um, and it's quite hilarious at times as well. Um, so when I was in New Zealand, um, I kind of like. Um, I, I really got into mountain biking down there. I really got into um, exploring um, in the sense I'm doing right now. And um, on the evening before I left New Zealand, um, I was speaking to one of my best friends down there, Fred Kennedy, who is the author of The Bellaminati Rules. And he's Mm -hmm. the sort of person um, you would never say something to him that you wouldn't do like I think he's he's got an excellent memory and he would always take me up on things I've said beforehand so I said to him look Brett I'm going home now um, but I'll be coming back to New Zealand at some stage and I won't be flying all the way down here there was putting me like there was the statement I made and that was basically setting myself up for around the world trip or at least for a trip so I came back to New Zealand and then I was pushing the idea around for a long long time because um, I think the problem is like it's been such a massive project and it was in many ways almost almost too big to start tackling it Um, and um, so I had the idea in my mind and and I think it's been always there and then I, I started working over here but I was always on fixed term contracts. so mm. at the end of the contract it was all look once i finish this contract i'm gonna do this and it never happened okay. um, until 2015 and then one morning in march 2015 um i woke up and i thought like i had actually just got a, an extension to my contract and i was like oh i'm really not up for this something something doesn't feel right with this and that was basically when i made the decision look um i wanted to do around the world trip wait, there's never a good time to do it. I'm going to to do it, Um, handed them my notice the next day. Um, So I had three months um, in my job left, um, which was then the mid of June. And then I just had to set a date when I'm leaving, and that was it. but what wasn't solved, obviously, was the question on how to do it, how to take a bike. Um, and then I felt like it can't be that difficult to ride around the world. Like, it's literally cycling a bike around the world. It's um, There's always going to be um, things I cannot plan. Um, I'm fit. Um, I know how to pack. Um, I, you know, I've done a fair bit of cycling, touring. Um, so it's not rocket science. I'm just going to do it. And um, I think the biggest question to solve them was to what kind Kind of bike to take, and I had done loads of riding on a single-speed bike since 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of made sense to, in order to make it a unique trip, is to take a single-speed bike because that was something I wasn't aware that anyone had done beforehand. Um, so I spoke to the brand manager um, at Surly UK, Pat, who I'd met at an event the year beforehand. Said to him, "Look, this is this is what I would like to do." Are you keen to give, are you okay to give me a bike for this? And he said, yeah, that sounds like a mad enough idea to, to, to support and, and basically like, like a lot of the planning was was done with those two decisions: A to hand my notice and B to take a single speed bike.
0: Well, great. And how do you remember it? How, first of all, I was more or less roughly the track that you have done. and okay. which one were you feeling while doing that and if you have any highlights on that?
1: yeah so um there was so I, I left I left and arrived in Edinburgh I wanted to do a trip um basically leaving um from the city I was living in so that was kind of the first thing because again like a lot of the round the world trips or the record attempts start somewhere in Paris or Berlin and yeah. you know that's totally cool um but for me it was just like, Scotland should be the start and finishing point. Um, and then I was also, um, pretty much all my route planning was decided by the seasons because I think that was the major, that was the crucial aspect for me. And I couldn't leave before September because I had to sort out some things personally. Um, so basically, but leaving Scotland in September meant that I'd go to the US first um, and then basically cycle a different way around than anyone else I knew was doing it. Um and it was kind of basically cycling against um a predominantly westerly wind, but that was fine. Like I think real wind is something which does have an impact, but I think it's sometimes also overrated. Mm-hmm. Um and the highlights on the trip, I think still for me, um Iran was an amazing place because it was a place I didn't know anything about beforehand. It's also a country, and and especially now, that gets a lot of bad press. And I think once you come into the country and you get to know the people, you also understand that those are actually really nice people. And they were super hospitable. The landscape was amazing, Um, very, very scenic, and also something I hadn't seen beforehand. Um, So that was definitely a highlight. Um, Australia as well. Just by the sheer remoteness of the country, um, cycling another one and a half thousand kilometers of pretty much a straight road um, <laughs> on a single <Engelsby> speed bike was <laughs> challenging. Um, so that was that was great as well, and I pretty much enjoyed every country along the way. I mean, there were some countries which I only had a few days in, and then there's countries like the U.S., um, Australia, New Zealand, Turkey, U.S. A considerable amount of time crossing them from um, east to west, um, mostly yeah, east to west. Um, so they were obviously like my, my memories of those countries are much stronger than the little bits like Slovenia or Bulgaria, which I've just only spent a couple of days in. So I didn't really have time to really really make myself familiar with the country. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was like I think it's been it's been an amazing adventure, um, and it also taught me. So much about myself. I think it was not just about the cycling. It was about spending a year by myself, um, having to figure out my problems. You know, if there's something that doesn't go to plan, you just have to deal with it um, because you know you possibly got another five, six months to go. So if you don't deal with it, you're just pushing it ahead of you all the time, and that's not a good approach to 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 something. So, yeah, it's just a. It was. I think it was a quite cycling experience, but it was also a really good life experience
0: yeah great and i actually like your approach that you're saying yeah once you have a problem i think that you're referring to everything can it be right a mechanical problem with a bike or physical problem uh with yourself or whatever you know emotional problem or whatever that you have to overcome it's better to either overcome it sooner better than later and uh, this was what you have done right
1: yeah yeah, it's like, I mean, I love, um, I'm good friends with Jenny Tuff, and, and I was like, she's got, I mean, that's basically her mantra fix your own problems. And, you know, and it's, it's, um, that's basically what I had to do for a whole year, and, and I'm still doing that, and I think there's no intention to stop doing it because I think it's essential. But yeah, it's, it's, it's either mechanical problems. I mean, I kept riding a single speed bike was um, in so far good that, um, there Was not much in terms of mechanical problems that could actually arise. Yeah, um, steel bike, steel drive train, pretty sturdy wheels, um, Schwalbe tires, which are commonly used by around the world cyclists, so they're pretty much bomb proof. Um, and, it, and so the bike setup, um, and that's what I spent the majority of time when I was preparing the journey on, is to to kind of do everything myself, to have a bike, which I think is good for the job. And if there is something along the way I need to fix, I can fix it myself. Um, And I don't really need external help. Of course, sometimes in Australia, when I needed um, a bit of an overhaul of the bike after I had done 13 or 14,000 kilometers, it was nice to go in the bike shop and just hand it over and say, look, can you please do whatever needs to be done with it? Um, But... There was an essential, there was a luxury. I could have done everything myself if I would have been somewhere in the middle of nowhere with a few. I also had all the tools with me. I needed to fix the bike. Um, and, and and I think the, the fix your own problems is also in terms of motivation. Um, yeah, of course, there. Are, it's a long trip. and You know, it's not all sunshine all along the way. There are days which are fantastic. And, and there's also days um where you kind of question why am i actually doing this um it's just you know this is possibly it's not always fun like i think if you if you have a year being on the bicycle there are days in between where you kind of go like oh gosh um i wish it would be over soon but you know you just it's about identifying what is the you know what makes me unhappy here what can i do better and move on um so you know you've got a lot of um, there's a lot of trial and error along the way, um, but I think it's it's great to have that experience and, and to, to embrace it as well.
0: Well, uh, I think that here I need actually to ask you this question, which one is the moment that you remember the most where you were saying, okay, enough. I can really, really, really now really finish it and stop it here and finish. And on the other side, which one was the moment that you were saying, wow, I'm really, really glad that I've done this.
1: Yeah, so the moment, I think the moment I remember best was actually kind of halfway to the Nullarbor um, in Australia mm-hmm. when I had one day of pretty miserable headwinds. And I remember I had set off pretty early in the morning because I knew there's going to be pretty strong winds and everything was fine. And then I had I had a flat tire, one flat tire. Pretty mm-hmm. Much in all of Australia, so it's really yeah. no issue. Um, and so I had to change my tire, um, because I had a spare tire with me and I had a massive gap in the tire, so I was just like, instead of trying to fix this, I'm just gonna change tires around. I use my spare tire, keep on rolling, it was fine. And um, and then I kept rolling, cycling against the wind, and there came a point where it's just like, I think I was just not in the right mindset that I stopped on the road, um sat next to my bike um, and and funnily enough, um, so when I stopped on the road, um, I kind of like put my bike a little bit further away from the road just to risk of not having anything running over it. And mm-hmm. so I was sitting there pretty invisible from the road <laughs> mm-hmm. by myself with my bicycle feeling sorry for myself for half an hour and I was like, oh, I'm so over this. Um, I wish I could fly back right now and and just call it a day and you know find a comfortable bed somewhere, get some nice food, have a coffee, um, and I think that feeling lasted for about an hour. And then I was kind of thinking about well, if I if I don't change anything on the situation now, I'm going to be running out of water because um, my water for any day on the Nullarbor was kind of like just three liters so you know it's kind of i had to get to a roadhouse whatsoever to to get new water and i thought like the longer i'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself the more likely i'm going to be running out of water at the end of the day so that's going to make the miserable day even more miserable and i think this has kind of prompted me to kind of like right marcus um get back on your bike cycle the rest of the day treat yourself to something nice in the evening and just get over the fact and and that was kind of the moment where i sometimes thought like oh this is quite a crucial moment and the best moment there were plenty um i'm just thinking about i mean in, in in a way it was arriving back in scotland um i took a small boat over from northern ireland to isla which is an island um just off scotland yeah. And and arrived there, um, sold the saw a shop with some very really familiar products. Um and I think that was the moment where it kind of like, you know, I, I, up until then it was always the kind of thing it's like the finish is close but it's you know you i think in your mind you can't really grasp it that it's gonna be over very soon mm. but there was the moment where i said set, set my um feedback on scottish soil and i was like this is actually not like i'm almost home there's really nothing really that can go wrong now um you know i think in the worst possible scenario i have to push my bike back to edinburgh and even that is possible now um and I think it was the moment where I realized I'm actually really happy to be back here. Like there's no there's no problem with finishing the trip right now. Um I'm happy to be back here. I'm happy to um enjoy the next four to five days until I'm home. Um and really save up pretty much every minute of the trip. Um but I was also confident I'm happy to be home, I'm happy to um close that chapter in a book and open a new one. And that is what came afterwards.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great point. And I really like, actually, the thing that you said. You remember exactly which one was the worst moment of your trip, but you have plenty of (laughs) moments that were really stunning and really amazing that made your trip. This is pretty crucial because this really means that there were just a few of bad moments and the other side, you're really astonished every day on a new trip, on a new adventure. And this makes you not recognize the best moment of the time because there were so many, and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this was not your only adventure on the bike. You have done also something else. Can you just name a few of your adventures on the bike? Yeah,
1: yeah. There've been quite a few. So yeah, <laughs> the most recent one was the so-called mountain race in Kyrgyzstan, and also spending about ten days beforehand to to shoot a documentary, um, and and document that. So that's the one that sticks in my head. Um, And I've also done, I've done a variety of things. I've cycled home for Christmas four times from Edinburgh to the middle of Germany. Wow. Um, That was the first time in 2010 when there was a bucket load of snow here in the UK. Um, And then the year afterwards, and then again in 2014, and again in 2017. Um, And I think there seemed to be like, it's possibly just my... Imagination, but um, like this year, I've seen quite a few people doing similar things in the UK. Yeah, um, just cycling from where they are to to their parents' place, and it's it's lovely to see that because I think it's it's such a I I, in my eyes those are the trips that were like I've got really fond memories because it was taking taking this thing out of the commercialism of Christmas and just jumping on your bike and forgetting about that for a couple of days and remembering what Christmas actually is about, um, if you celebrate it. If you don't, that's totally fine as well. Yeah. Um, then I've spent, yeah, as I said, I, I spent two years living in New Zealand, so I've done loads and loads of small adventures in New Zealand. Um, and also, yeah, Scotland um, has been pretty much, yeah, there's, there's quite a few roads and um, off-road tracks I've cycled here. Um, I think most notably, over here I was cycling from Edinburgh to the Isle of Skye and one one day on a road bike. Um, that was a great adventure. <laughs> great. My biggest ever endurance
0: feat I've done. Um, and I've kind of like I've been close to it afterwards. But it's also
1: I think there's been a few things I've done where I'm kind of say I've done it. Um, this is cool. Um, but I'm not the sort of person who does things twice. Right. Um, I okay. want to try to find something new. And also, I think possibly in terms of bikepacking, the Highland Trail 550 I've done that three times, one single speed.
0: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, the Highland Trail is that all the time super infamous of on being one of the most challenging ones, right?
1: Yeah yeah it's it's an intense race and it's an intense environment to be in as well and i think i think last year stuck, stood out in a in a sense that i think last year was my year back to racing um i had last done the highland trail five hundred and fifty 50 before my round the world trip and kind of in a way signed myself off from this kind of saying like i've done a few bike packing races but you know i'm i'm possibly I want to do other things but um, I went back in May last year, um, just A, because the route was new, so I hadn't done the new route beforehand, and I, I actually really felt like doing some racing again, and, and it was actually on the Highland Trail that I met Nelson, who organised the Silk Road Mountain Race, and we cycled together on the first day for a couple of hours um and he kind of said oh you you know it would be would be cool if you if you're interested in a circular mountain race you can still come around although entries have closed already um there's an opportunity to get in there and it was a yeah you know, it was a short a, a quick decision a week after i said to him that yeah, like, sign me up for it. it sounds great um and yeah it turned out to be one of one of the biggest adventures i had so far
0: and <laughs> it was it was amazing yeah it was the same thing for all of us also for me that i was in the car <laughs> yeah yeah um just focus a bit more on the scotland part so you had said that you have done many adventures down around scotland so many that you are based there now and actually you started your project the bikepacking scotland tell us more about that tell us more about this project tell us more about what it is Bikepacking scotland
1: yeah i, I think early days Back in scotland where before my round the world trip where um i picked up a leaflet um when i was in a pub in the leaf which is in the scottish borders and i was always up until then i'd always written trails from other people um and and i think there comes a time when you do that where you kind of like i want to really want to give something back to the community and not always venture on other people's footsteps and i picked up a leaflet which um, was a section of the Scottish National Trail, which was devised by Cameron McNeish, who's a big hill-walking icon in Scotland. Okay. Um, and um, That really got me onto doing a bit more research of into ancient routes in Scotland, like all trovers' routes, paths that have been used for hundreds and hundreds of years, and some of them are now retarmarked over and have found a second life in, in in literally being included in the road network. Some of them are still there, um, but they're not used at all. And, and there's some of them which you know are used for long-distance hiking routes like the West Highland Way. Mm-hmm. So after picking up that leaflet, I was doing um, a bit more research into this. And, and then I thought like it might be interesting to come up with a bikepacking route um, which starts and finishes in Portobello Beach um, in Edinburgh and okay. takes people all the way into the Scottish borders. And um, I'm, I think I'm the sort of person, once I've got an idea, and I think that's a valid idea, then it's really hard to to to, to get away from it and not do it. So um, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks um, simply just cycling and, and understanding um, if there is an opportunity to go from Edinburgh all the way down to the Lammermuir Hills and then over to the Scottish borders and come back to Edinburgh. And, um, basically that resulted in a trail called Capital Trail, which was my first ever bikepacking route I've designed. Um, and there was an event on that in June. So I finished it in March, 2015. And then there was an event on it in June, 2015. And the feedback from people was really positive. Um, and the feedback was, um, As I was kind of expecting it to be, that they said actually the most interesting bits of this route are the bits which um, are totally unknown to us, um, like in East Lothian whatsoever. And you know, I think based on the feedback, I was like, oh, I'd love to do more of this, and would actually would like to use all of those existing routes and combine them to bikepacking routes and just just give people ideas what they can do in Scotland. And that was the birth of Bikepacking Scotland. And then, yeah, I went around the world, came back, um, and I didn't really know what to do with myself for the first couple of months. Um, Totally normal, I think, being exposed to so many different things on the the round-the-world trip, I just needed a couple of months to settle in. And then the decision was to either I'm going to go back to have a full-time job or I um, am doing a bit of the stuff I've been doing beforehand, which is marketing, um, part time, and used the other time to to really start developing bikepacking routes in Scotland, and that's what I did. So in um, December 2016, yeah, I registered the US, URL for Bikepacking Scotland and then really started um, kind of developing new routes, but it took a long time to take off actually because I, I also and you know needed like um basically the capital trail was a was a um was done on having a full-time job and having you know just basically spending my free time looking for trails and in the situation i was in then i needed to find work to kind of finance myself in some shape or form so i was kind of forced to find partners to to develop those roots with and and um, the first project was with Argyle and the Isles Tourism Cooperative. So tourism in Scotland, um, mm-hmm. in the post sense, is organised in um, that there are various regions of Scotland, and those regions they have like a regional tourist board, and um, some of them are driven by councils, and some of them are independent organisations. So I, with Argyle and the Isles Tourism Cooperative, I did find an organisation which was really keen to get new people in the idea, which was really keen to um, develop sustainable tourism. So not just um, getting people there to drive their cars around the area, but kind of get people on um, on bikes, um, encourage them to explore the area in different, in different ways than beforehand. And I think in a sense, it was great to find this project, because that's always what I wanted to do when I had bikepacking Scotland in mind. But it's it's quite normal, with those sort of things to find someone who actually believes in the idea as well. It's quite difficult from the start. Um, so Karen, who was working for AITC, um, she she um, had seen some of my round the world stuff. Um, she's seen some of my social media content said like this says like, this looks really interesting. Why don't we just get it off the ground? Um, and yeah, so the wild about a girl trail was the result of that. And that also then kind of kick started in, in another couple of projects um, I did afterwards. So it's a quite, quite starting point. And bikepacking in Scotland is basically. Uh, a more localized version of bikepacking.com it's just like basically just roots in Scotland um, but I've now developed it a little bit further um, it's got a Facebook community as well so there's a group where people can exchange ideas because um, I also know like so my my idea behind it is like I'm happy to use all of the knowledge I have to develop new routes for people but I also want people to become a community and this is what the Facebook group is about, like getting people who are interested in bikepacking in Scotland um, into one space and, and, and getting them to share their knowledge. Um, so in the long term, it will not just be dependent on my person. Um, it will hopefully um, sustain itself in, 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 in various different forms.
0: Yeah, that's great. So if we can actually simplify mm-hmm. and tell me if I'm simplifying too much there, Actually, the bikepacking Scotland is uh, both sides a website where you actually collect your experience and collect all the routes and also collect something like giving suggestion to people on which one would be uh, the perfect the perfect weekend ride, the perfect weekend adventure, the perfect week adventure, and collecting as well the events that are happening in the Scottish field and putting all this, this experience together. So this is the website, while on the other side, you also built up a community, a Facebook um, community, a Facebook group, where people can help each other and also probably also organize themselves some activities to do together, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So it's the website and then there's the social media channels. And um, yeah, and it's like, yeah. So there's two aspects here. Yeah. One of the, is the more curated things where basically you share, uh, my knowledge and i think if you look at the routes, they do have a certain approach to how to do things so they're all not easy although i've developed i'm working on other routes at the moment which will hopefully a little bit easier so they're kind of uh, trying to broaden the whole bikepacking thing a little bit more because i think it started off as a um, community of really um, well-trained endurance riders who would go faster and further and i think if you look at routes like the Highland Trail 550, some of the American routes, or things like the Silk Road Mountain Race, you have to be super fit um, no. to ride those sort of things. Like there's there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, whereas I think with some of the more recent projects I've done, um, I've done um, a back. Um, a family bikepacking route which is um 60 kilometers um and is a great weekend for people who want to get into bikepacking or want to take the kids out and it's a flatter route um it's got toilets it's got ice cream parlors and all sort of things in there um so i think it's like i'm trying to make it a little bit more accessible to people as well which i think is 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 crucial um the idea behind all of this is is to and I think this is where bikepacking has made a great contribution to cycling is to get people out into nature again. I think it's just getting them off the roads, um, getting them into the into the hills in Scotland, or getting them onto the beaches, and 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 get them to ditch their phone and, and reconnect with nature and and kind of do something um, which I think is super beneficial for 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 people in general. Um, so yeah,
0: but- yeah, but apart from giving to people actually inspiration with the tracks and inspiration also with your adventure, with your own articles, with your videos, are you also providing to people some, uh, let's say, guiding support so people can also just call you or send you an email or contact you anyways in order to have also a guided tour by yourself? So to kick off their experience, maybe if they are newbies or stuff?
1: Um it's in the it's in the planning sort of things um at the moment it's my person so i've only got a limited time in a day to do things and yeah. um, we started um in order to facilitate that more um i teamed up with charlie charlie Hops, who was previously known as charlie the bike monger <laughs> um and um we started doing events now so we've um started this, um, a series of event called the dirt dashes Um, which there's one in England, one in Wales, and one in Scotland. Um, And those are basically um, two-day events. Um, The focus there is on people having a good time, so they get a route. Um, We organize a a campsite overnight, we organize the food. And, um, yeah, people can have a good time. Um, the crucial thing about those sort of things, I sometimes think it's like the whole bikepacking thing is kind of for people going out by themselves for the first time can be quite a daunting experience because it's something they've never done beforehand. And, and I think if you if you haven't spent the time by yourself in a tent in the middle of nowhere, then it's, I generally think it's one of the most amazing things you can do. But I also understand that some people are a little bit scared of that. Yeah. Um, so those third dash events are basically like... Um, a great introduction to bikepacking but they also appeal to people who want like a proper challenge as well um so the routes are possibly not the easiest routes in the world but they have some shortcuts and they've got other people riding them as well and i'm looking into into guiding um i'm a mountain bike guide as well um although like i think what i just for me I'm a very creative person, so I actually enjoy the process of exploring a region and plotting a route there. Um, and I'm possibly not necessarily best person to take people around and showing them around. Like I'm more like you know, I, I like creating new things. So that's basically what this bikepacking Scotland is about. But um, there's there are ideas to take that a little bit further and to to make it a more facilitated thing as well Um, just simply to provide um, opportunities for people who come to scotland and who don't have much time to spend to do all the research themselves just to show them to some of the amazing places around here
0: but all the trails are sorry all the tracks are mostly off-road ones right
1: Yeah, at the moment, um, they're mostly off-road. And I think there's one principle about bikepacking Scotland, which will always be there, those routes are free for everyone to download. Um, And I think that's that's kind of a thing like I want this to be accessible to everyone, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't, you know, people shouldn't have to pay to download um, the routes itself. Um, That's kind of the core principle behind it. um and yeah so they but they're mainly off-road and the reason for that was um of course even if they're off-road they will always include some bits on tarmac sometimes it's it's pretty much impossible to, to blot something which is just off the main roads yeah. um, but that really just where, where it's possible again I, I think i'm pretty open-minded about sort of things um you know i think that there's also quite great potential to um to map routes for people um on roads you know, there are people who are possibly not confident to ride off road and they just want to stay on tarmac and in a in a sense that's bike packing as well. You know, I think the the T C R is, is a bike packing race as well. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's mainly happening on roads. Um, that's cool. But my 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 major focus is off road riding because that's what I grew up with, what I grew into and I simply think it's also possibly nicer for people to get them away from from the roads and take them into the countryside where they can yeah have a bit of peace and quiet as well.
0: Yes, and enjoy nature, as I was saying, enjoy the outdoors.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is another thing. This is why I'm also mm-hmm. kind of a bit careful with calling myself a cyclist. You know, I think I think um, broadly speaking, um, I think the biggest driver for me. Doing all of those adventures is to get away from 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 civilization and and to have some time to spend for myself um, and to kind of like readjust my thinking. It's been always an amazing experience. Just sometimes having two days um, off the grid um, and and having having time for myself but also having to deal with things you know you need to pitch your tent you need to find a suitable place to do that you need to find water you need to find a sheltered place you know all of those sort of things i think are are great you know and there's such universal experiences which are which are beneficial for other walks of life it's not just about cycling i think cycling is a great vehicle to learn other things at the same time and this is why it's mainly off-road
0: yeah 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 it makes a lot of sense so you named during this chart that we're having the capital trail mm-hmm. but tell me in your opinion just tell me one one road one route that you think it's uh, kind of the iconic one that you can have or the one that you prefer the one that you're doing the most or yeah
1: I think the wild about argyll trail is is my is my favorite route um and there's a couple of reasons for that a it's um it's such an iconic part of scotland um so argyll is where kind of the ancient scotland or scotland as a nation pretty much started to form and it's also an an area of scotland where people don't normally go to if they you know i think if someone flies to scotland has 14 days to travel they go to edinburgh they go to the isle of sky they haven't been to the highlands um and you know as much as that is scotland as it's um in a tourism brochure and it's also very enjoyable i wouldn't say that's not enjoyable at all i think the rather by a Galtail trail takes people into an area of scotland which has so much to offer um, and it's such a diverse it's got coasts it's got mountains it's got some amazing rivers it's got some great seafood um some little villages and and i think just the sheer combination of all of those things coming together makes it such an amazing route and that's that's why it is my favorite and it's also the route i spent so much time researching and every time i write a little section of it um i'm kind of like oh yeah this is awesome like i wouldn't change this (laughs) like there's nothing really i would i would i would change on this route so that is yeah, it's my highlight, and I love going back to that part of Scotland. It's always a, it's a lovely experience, and yeah, it's kind of, for me, that is what Scotland is quite about. So you know, I think this is this is the kind of thing.
0: Yeah, to everybody out there, and now actually surfing and uh, uh, the page, the sake, the page, of the Argyle one the. let me tell you the name in a proper way, because otherwise it doesn't work, the While About Argyle Trail, and it's perfectly tracked, it's perfectly described, and also as a split that you can do, so there are the different sections that you can do, it's everything there, and just by watching the picture that you put on the website, really attracts you a lot. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. It's also, I mean, this. I think one of the things I did find out. So Scotland is not really well known for forests. I think um, hmm. there used to be a lot of forests over here, and then they've like a lot of the trees have been taken down um, by human beings. But um, there is one section on the on the trail um, called Glenart, and um, there's basically it's like a rainforest because there's um, it does rain a lot in that part of Scotland. So that's a bit of a trade-off. Um, but you basically cycle through this forest, and it's like every tree is every tree is is hung with moss and all sorts of weird and wonderful things that hang down. So it kind of like you know you you feel like you're almost in a jungle there. Okay. <laughs> And I felt like this is this is this is pretty cool because normally, like you know, the other the other extreme in Scotland, you've got those massive wide open landscapes, but like yeah, if the wind blows, you you know you <laughs> you get blown off um, the hill, and it's such a it's such a such a nice um, difference of landscapes in that part, which makes it very attractive to go to. That's
0: perfect. That's perfect. Another thing that I want to just um, highlight a bit still surfing on the website, it's super cool. You have a section here that is called gear, and yeah. there actually you can see all the list of the things that you need to take with you, uh, take it in consideration how the weather can be, um, which one are the, the challenges, let's say, the difficulties that you can get on the road, um, how to plan accordingly, uh, whatever. And I think that this is something perfect, especially for people that maybe are used, to pack around, but not in Scotland, so because there are different variables, or only ju- also just from people that actually, maybe they think that because they have to start a new adventure on bikepacking or whatever, they have to pack everything, so it's a great list, and I think that actually adding these kind of things more often makes also the bikepacking part of cycling, so the cycling part of um, travelling around a bit more easier and a bit more accessible. accessible
1: yeah and I think that's crucial and and I think it's it's quite interesting also now with having the uh, the trip, world trip under my belt and having done things like the so-called mountain race um i'm I'm getting a bit more adventurous. I, I think I used to be the person who kind of needed exactly the right bit of kit no for doing an adventure. <clears throat> and I've kind of changed my approach slightly now, um just to give you an example about that yeah. I was out in Perthshire I was house-sitting for friends um, on a small farm over Christmas and um, I like in the rush of packing um, and I'm I'm probably not the greatest planning person <laughs> which is, comes to a surprise for some people sometimes so basically I've got plenty of bikes and I did pack my single speed um, 1970s road bike with flat bars and 23mm tires okay. um, and but I was still keen to try one of the gravel routes I'm working on on that bike. Um, and so I basically took this bike on a gravel climb, um, and it was fine. You know, it, it possibly comes with some trade offs, like the braking power is not the greatest, um, and, and things like this. But I'm kind of like, so my kind of development now is to kind of say, look, um, you can. I think it, it, as, as long as you understand the, the principles of bike packing and you you are confident um, about that, then you can basically take any bike and have an adventure. You know, it's not like as much as it is nice to have a suitable bike and suitable kit to, to go out. Sometimes also I think the adventure comes from having to improvise, you know, and kind of like coming up with, all right, I don't have the right bit of kit. Bit of kit what can i use instead <laughs> you know it's a kind of like the sort of thing but i think it's very crucial to um so the reason why i've provided all of those things on the website is just to take this thing out of things and kind of say to people look um you don't have to do you, you know i made all of those experiences you know and i spent a long long time on the bicycle i made some grave mistakes and you whatever like and i'm really like um i'm really happy to share the knowledge i'm not sitting on any of this you know and if it. For my, my thinking behind it, if, if it gets more people out there on bikes, um, out in the nature to enjoy themselves, brilliant. That's fantastic, I think. And it's 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 a nice thing to share those things. Um, but also, you know, I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to, and this is the same with the roots as well. I think the roots give people a good idea what they can do. Mm-hmm. But I would also encourage people to kind of, like, come up with their own ideas. You know, if they take the Rada Balagal trail, And there's plenty of opportunity along now to have day trips or, you know, kind of do different things as well. So, you know, kind of use all of those things as a good um, blueprint. But also, I sometimes think like everyone's so different and it's got so different experiences, kind of like bring all of that into the occasion as well and have have an adventure that suits you and have a great time.
0: No no no, it makes a lot of sense actually. Mm, take the spiritual adventure and then make your own adventure. And learn by your mistakes. That's another good point.
1: Yeah. Oh crucial. As I said, like we're coming back to the fix your own problems thing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I think best thing to do. Like same with the Silkwood mountain race, you know, you um you have experiences and you know I I generally say, like, on any of the trims, I always learn still. And, you know, I think there hopefully never be, never come a point in my life where I do not learn any longer. You know, it's never going to be perfect anyway, <laughs> which no. is a great thing. because okay. it, it forces you to, to rethink sometimes as well. But, yeah. Um, but there's also things, you know, I wouldn't, you know, things I have learned the hard way and I'm really happy to share okay. um, those moments and say, look, like you can make those mistakes yourself, but you can also take some good advice and not do them <laughs> because you'll have a nicer time. But yeah, it's, I think, a good mixture both of them is fine.
0: Yeah, great. Great to, to listen to that, at least. Cool then, Marcus. Let's go through the end of the interview and I want to ask you, Which one are the next steps, your next adventure?
1: So there's a couple of things. So project-wise, I'm working on a really interesting project in Perthshire at the moment, which is um, developing a new bikepacking route. Um, I'm really excited about that one because it's a shorter route, about 300 kilometers. But within the route, um, there will be a network of day adventures um, as well. So it's basically the bikepacking route. Um, is the periphery um, and within that area there's going to be a couple of things people can do as day rides as well and, and again it's a, it's another step to play, basically making bikepacking more inclusive um, and giving people an idea you can start on a shorter route and then you know basically doing the longer longer bikepacking route is, is like the end of your journey
0: Yeah,
1: great project um, love working on that one it's also a brilliant part of Scotland and I Um, I've released um, No Stone Unturned, which was a film um, about my 10 days riding in Kyrgyzstan before the Road mountain race, and that really focused my attention on that storytelling is something I love doing, and I love to do more of it. So while Bikepacking Scotland will always be there, um, and I really enjoy working on developing routes, um, I'm also still a keen cyclist and I'm a keen adventurer and I love to go on adventures and I love sharing them with people. So I'm working on, I'm doing the Atlas Mountain Race um, in February um, and I'd love to make a short film about that again, um, just filmed on an iPhone. So um, I do, all of my storytelling with very simple means iPhone, small camera, um, laptop, that's it. Um, I'm not a big fan of complicated so setups so whatsoever. So, a couple of new documentaries. So, that will be hopefully a short documentary about the Atlas Mountain Race. I'm also planning to go to Malawi um, in Africa okay. with my brother. Um, we had a great time cycling in Iran, um, as part of my round-the-world trip together. Um, And I think our plan is to go there in June, July, um, and to enjoy the country. Also look at um, a new potential bike-packing route. Um, I just love the idea of Africa. And I'm also working for the David Livingston Trust um, in my marketing role. Um, And David Livingston is a Scottish explorer who spent a lot of time in Zambia, in Malawi and um, Botswana
0: okay
1: um, so i'd love to go to africa It's one of the continents i haven't been to and it's it just looks like yeah it looks like a good it looks like a great adventure mm-hmm. and i'm also working on a documentary at the moment which is uh, um which i filmed last year which is about my experience in scotland because um like in, in my storytelling what i'm really keen is to bring the awareness of climate change to people. I think ah. it's important. And it's very crucial. And um, I'm absolutely, like, I'm well aware of my carbon footprint having flown multiple times around the world um, on my adventures. Um, and there's something I cannot change. Um, and I think I'm also in the kind of thing, I'm going to Morocco, I'm going to Malawi. So I'm always quite keen not to be overboard, saying, look, I'm doing the right things here, possibly not doing the right things. But um, what I'd be really keen to tell is, like, um, positive stories about climate change and and in a way of, um, so the adventure, the film I'm working on at the moment about this adventure I had very close to home here, I got there by train. Um, I could ride my bike, and it almost felt like being in the middle of absolutely nowhere in Kyrgyzstan, whereas I was very close to home. And it, I'd, I'd quite like to encourage more people to do that, and is to to reimagining um, their immediate surroundings. And, and you know, as as you know, I think it's you know people will possibly always want to travel far away to experience new cultures, and I think that's. Quite and this is something i'd love to do um, i possibly look at different ways to get there in the future but it's just kind of like telling those stories um that um doing things close to home that's actually for me has been an eye-opening experience and i really enjoyed it so i'd love to do more along that side um, so it's plenty of yes yeah, plenty of opportunity to do things in the future um along that side
0: yes because adventure starts from from your back door you don't need to go on the other side of the world obviously Said by me that I don't do so many adventure it can seem like, okay, just because you're a lazy guy, that's why you want to do it. But this kind of thing said by you that you made around the world, you have cycled in, uh, yeah, in New Zealand, in Iran, in Kyrgyzstan, in Africa, says something. Because at the end of the day, it's not where you go, but actually it's the feeling that you have.
1: Yeah, and you can have that feeling perfectly close to your home as well. Yeah. like, and it's just I'm also kind of like I'm a I'm a big fan. So my office in Edinburgh is 25 minutes away from home by bike, and okay. this journey, just this short journey every day, that's an adventure, you know. Um, and 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 I like I always try to treat it as an adventure because that, in the end of the day, will um, yeah, I, it's I, I think it's something people, people need to understand much more. And, and, and I'm also quite keen on the whole climate change debate. Um, it's just I, I wouldn't put myself out there and saying like, I'm, I'm doing those travel things I'm doing to make people aware of climate change. I think that's exactly the opposite, because I'm flying there. So, yeah, you know, yeah. the carbon footprint is rubbish. And I'm aware of that. Um, and I, I just sometimes i don't find any you know i think i just simply don't have the time to spend four months on a sailing boat to 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 go somewhere um so i think this is the kind of thing at the other side i was just like i think with those more local adventures it's kind of like yeah i think it's really good for people to kind of not see that as a um kind of close or having a way restricting their life in a way i think for me this is actually enriching your life because it's, it's, it's living a little bit more minimal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and not having the complication of, of um, travel planning in there all the time. And this, I think for me, um, can be such an amazing experience. And, and I've also kind of learned to understand, like with the bikepacking stuff, I love local food plenty of that in scotland it's amazing it's a great place to do to, to, to just kind of ride somewhere for the weekend pitch your tent in the middle of nowhere but then also find a nice pub to have some great food and have a pint it's <laughs> something yeah i'd like to do a bit more along those lines yeah
0: yeah yeah great great it's the perfect spirit also knowing new people and know a bit better the local people local food local beers is this is part of the adventure
1: yeah totally totally and you know adventure adventure pretty much is it can be so many things um you know and, I've, I, and i think they can be small they can be massive and i've gone through you know quite of a long spectrum of them with having around the world trip which took a year to complete and that is possibly something that not many people do in their lifetime yeah uh, to yeah, just like on the on the extreme low scale, I think is my twenty minutes bike ride to work, which is also an adventure. And in within within that spectrum, there's so much you can do. And I think that's a that's the nice thing about a bicycle. You like you can do all of them. <laughs> you know, and I think it's just the kind of thing. The, the good thing about the bike it, it gets you to places. Um, various different speed there's also the scenery changes i mean i love running and i love all the other things but they're not as independent as having two wheels underneath you and just being able to ride somewhere you know (laughs) and eventually you come to a bit of sea (laughs) which would potentially stop you and having to find other means of transport to get over there but yeah there's plenty of scope in between (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah Cool, Marcos. Um, just can you tell to me and to everybody out there how people can find you, how people can find your adventure, how people can find your projects and everything like this?
1: Mm-hmm. So um, my personal website is uh-huh. Um
0: That's where pretty much
1: all my personal stuff is um if you want to make it easy just put in marcus m-a-r-k-u-s and single speed and i think google will potentially take you to the right places immediately um then bikepacking scotland um so it's com, and then you can just search on instagram twitter facebook um about yeah just Type in Bikepacking Scotland and I know that it will take you to the right places and then yeah as I said beforehand Do-Dash, um events um, it's kind of a new project I've started last year um, it's dash.cc and there's slash the noon slash Wales slash Dorset those okay. are the three different events and again there's a Facebook page there's an Instagram channel and a Twitter channel as well with more information specific about that and yeah the um, Facebook group I was talking about Bikepacking Scotland Facebook facebook group um is um yeah just type in bikepacking scotland and you'll find the group on facebook um yeah and that's the that's the easiest way and i think from my personal point of view my youtube channel is possibly a good okay. good place to go as well
0: perfect perfect well marcus thanks a lot for our chat thanks a lot for all the inspiration and uh, yeah thanks a lot for being here and to inspire all of us
1: thanks very
0: much and thanks for the chat <laughs> yeah i talk to you soon and we are gonna hug super soon in uh, at the Atlas Mountain Race or in Morocco just oh
1: I'm looking forward to that yeah. yes that a couple awesome. of week
0: time exactly so we're gonna meet there again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be and I, I
1: hopefully it will
0: be on a single speed bike again <laughs> really oh, that's a good yeah. preview that we are giving us yeah let's see so, you are yeah. not gonna just leave everything to. How uh, was the name of the guy? Also, the the German guy was doing the Silk Road mountain race on a single speed. I don't remember his
1: name. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, I've forgotten his name, to be honest with you, but I was inspired by that. And I think there was a time at the Silk Road mountain race, I was like, hmm, this could be interesting doing it on a single speed. So, I've kind of signed myself up for doing it um, on a single speed again. I just need to find this. A, a suitable bike at the moment because um, I've seen me with my around the world bike but if needed being that's going to come out of the closet again and we'll possibly do another race
0: <laughs> okay 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 so everybody out there we are going to actually see if Marcus is going to be at the Atlas Monte race with a single speed pretty pretty soon
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> perfect thanks Marcus. it was a pleasure thank you bye <laughs> thank you very much And thanks a lot, Marcos, for this amazing chat, I will see you in two days. And now I can't really wait to be already there in Morocco enjoying the good weather instead of the Sabine storm that is storming here in Zurich. And follow again the amazing race that is gonna be the Atlas Monte Race Pedaled, Pedaled Atlas Monte Race that is gonna happen from the 15th of February. If you want to listen what is going to happen, tune in on the official podcast of the Pedalette Atlas Mountain Race. If you want to listen to another episode of this amazing broom wagon, just wait for another couple of weeks, and then I'm going to be back. In the meanwhile, just remember to follow me to put a share if you like this episode, sorry, to press a share if you like this episode and to rate it on iTunes or Apple podcast and review it and do whatever you think. It's worth it. Apart from that, thanks a lot, open, for the amazing open up and thanks to you because you are following me all the time despite of my mistakes on pronunciation. Too much wording and redundancy. I will talk to you soon. Bye!